You are listening to Feminist Current. I'm Megan Murphy. Child marriage may be a thing of the past in many Western countries, but remains a reality for many girls in Mexico. While the law has changed, the practice remains, and one in four women in Mexico are married before the age of 18. Some of these unions are informal in order to bypass the law, but the setup is still like a traditional marriage. The persistence of this practice continues to have harmful impacts on Mexican girls, something an organization called Girls Not Brides is trying to change. On today's episode, I'm speaking with Elvira Pablo, a lawyer from Oaxaca and the Regional Policy and Member Engagement Officer for Girls Not Brides in Latin America and the Caribbean. Thank you so much for um, taking the time to talk with me about this today. I really appreciate it. No, also thank you so much for this opportunity. So uh, this is, I mean, this is really the first time I've looked into this issue, to be honest, of child marriage, um, particularly in Mexico. I'm wondering, like, how, how did you come to get involved in this, this issue and this work? Um, I am Elvira Pablo. I'm the Policy Member Engagement Officer for Latin America and the Caribbean at Girls Not Brides, which is the Global Partnership to End Child Marriage. So um, that's why I am um, involved in this issue. Um, and also because, as you may have seen, this is um, a serious issue that needs to be addressed urgently. So we as Girls Not Brides um, have been working here in the Latin America and the Caribbean region. And one of the serious issues here is the uh, child marriage and early unions. Um, and in some cases, forced unions no, in indigenous communities. Uh, we recognize this as an issue that it's present and it's happening all over the world, like in, across different countries, cultures, and ethnicities. Of course, including Mexico, this is not something that is happening exclusively in indigenous communities, but it's a, a serious issue also in this in these communities. No? And so I I started working at Girls and Rights um, in 2020, but before that I have been um, being part of the indigenous women and indigenous people's activism like for the more than t- 10 years. So th- this is also an issue that it's present no? in, in, in the communities and in the realities that we see when we go to the communities. Mm-hmm. Um. Can you tell me, I mean, so as I understand it, child marriage was legal in Mexico until 2014. How long has this practice been going on? Well, um, there have been legal, like legal legal changes. So in 2019 was the last, uh, um, because we have like, you know, Mexico, it's a um, republic that has, 32 states, so each state has its own its own legislation. But but uh, uh, after 2019, in all the states, you know, Mexico, it's prohibited. Not child marriage is not allowed, and it's without any exceptions. No. So before that, there were some exceptions where um, adolescents can could get married with, for example, with the parents' permission or with following some processes. But now it's not allowed anymore. But um, even though the law is not allowing uh, formal marriages, the unions, the informal unions are, are still happening. And actually, this is a um, 
uh, an issue in, in Latin America. In the region, it's more common to see uh, informal unions than uh, formal marriages. And so, as you know, it, it did become illegal technically, but as far as I understand, the practice of child marriage persists. Um, did did it decrease at all with the changes to legislation, or not really? Well, uh, what is happening is like formally, uh, there there shouldn't be like child marriages, no, because there the law is not allowing it. But early unions continue happening. Um, there are not um, like data that it's showing exactly how many informal unions are there, no. Um, very recently, uh, CEPAL in Spanish, but the name in English I think is ECLAC, the Economic Commission. Uh, well, I, I will look for that name. But um, CEPAL is like a regional um, mechanism. Um, so they, they were saying that the, the um, tendency is to decrease, um, but we don't have exact data to say how many like informal unions are happening. No, the, but like working on the ground, people know that even though there are not formal marches, the early unions are still happening. Mm-hmm. And where is this happening in Mexico? Well, as I said, it's it's in, like it's happening in the whole country. Like you can see that happening in urban areas, in the cities, and of course also happening in, in, in rural areas, in indigenous communities. But um, what we can say is like it's because it's not like exclusive for some region or some places. No, it's happening like in the in the country. Um, but there are some specificities. No, like for example, we have seen news from Guerrero, Mexico, that there are like specific cases of forced marriages in indigenous communities. But there also that also happens in Chiapas, Mexico, in Oaxaca, in Michoacan, in Puebla. I mean, it happens in in different states. And even in the cities, no, that this is not something exclusive of rural areas. Mm-hmm. And what's the incentive behind this? You know, why why is child marriage, well, desirable to so many men, I suppose? Well, actually, like what what we can say is that child marriage is rooted in gender inequality, and of course, the belief that girls and women are inferior to boys and men's. But also, it's also driven by, by factors such as poverty, insecurity, gender-based violence, lack of access to education, lack of access to sexual and reproductive health and rights. Um, like this is like um, a, a very complex issue. Like it has many causes. Um, some of them, of course, are structural and are like, um, as I said, no, like rooted in gender inequality. And others, of course, are related to the, these social norms, no? Like these social norms, that, and and of and, and of course the lack of opportunities. Like you can see that there are many causes. Um, some, like for example, some some youth-led organizations, of course, recognize also that there are some unions that are self-initiated between adolescents, but there are others that are between older men and, and adolescents. And there are orders like the forced unions, no? Like there, there is difference, no? Because when you talk, are talking about forced unions or forced marriages, is because there is no consent, no? Like it's like the girl or the woman, the adolescent is, is being forced to get married. 
by by other persons, no, but not it's not her her choose, no, her election. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, you know, a lot of this is is going to be connected to poverty because there's there's money exchanged. Um, is that correct? Um, yes, we have been seeing in the media some cases where, specifically the case of Guerrero, Mexico, no, where there is money exchange when there is an arrangement between the parents of the boy and the parents of the girl, not to get married. There is money exchange. Mm-hmm. And you know, like, how much is is the payment generally? Well, um, well, in some of the last cases, for example, that have been reported in the media, it's like two thousand. 200,000 pesos, I think that's approximately $10,000, around $10,000, but it can, just let me try. Yes, around $10,000. Um, it depends on on each agreement, but it's around that. So it, it's a high amount of money. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's life like for these girls once they're married? You know, what what's the impact on girls who are married off when they're teenagers? Well, there are many impacts in her lives. Like, one of the impacts that uh, that um, have been seen is, like, the um, that they drop out of school, no? They don't, they not continue the going to school, going, uh, they not continue their education, their formal education at school. Um, you can also see some cases of, of early pregnancies and, and also some cases of, of violence, no? Like, they, they, have, um, they suffer gender-based violence and suffer violence with um, the partner or sometimes with the other family, no? Because sometimes they go to live in the house of the boy, no? So, like, you can see some difficulties to continue studying, to continue exercising the rights. Um, and, of course, um, even also take, having to take care, no, of a baby of, or the other family. So it's... It's like they, their right to choose, their freedom, their opportunities are, are affected, and it's very difficult for them to really continue um, with their life plans uh, without being conditioned with these other things happening around. Um, I'm wondering if violence is often a factor. You know, I've been I've been trying to read about, you know, about child marriage in Mexico, but you know why this happens, and and I've read that. For example, sometimes the girls, you know, think maybe they could escape violence at home by getting married and then end up in yet another violent home. Um, have you found that to be a common issue? That's one of the causes, of, of course, like the, the gender-based violence and violence at home. Like sometimes when they are suffering violence at home, they try to get married as an option to get out of this situation, but that's not a solution. Not sometimes they continue suffering violence with the partner, no? So mm, you can, like, of course, they, they need also legal support, uh, psychological accompaniment, and all, um, like, an, a comprehensive uh, support for them, no? To, because what we also see, like, is that we, have in, we are talking a lot about prevention of, of these of child marriage early unions and forced unions, but also we need to think about those who are already married or those who are already in unions, you know, how, how, how they can go back to school, how they can continue their, 
like their, their life plans and also how they can have freedom or even if they are already married and they need to get out of that marriage, how they can be supported, no? that, that there, there are other issues that they are facing when they are in a union or, or married. Mm. So are there options for, for girls who are trying to escape arranged marriages in Mexico? You know, like well, other uh, services or support or anything like that? Well, in Mexico, like, um, there is a system, no? Like, it, that it's, um, how do you say that? Like, it's oriented to support adolescents or children that are under 18, that they should have, like, um, how do you say this? Like, some kind of refugees. That's not the exact name, but, like, centers where adolescents can go and, and be there, like, and they have that places. There are many institutions that should be responding. Um, like you have the uh, institution for like the local institutions for human rights. Um, the the like the you could say the Ministry of Women. Um, also, um, like the government should have th- those responses where they can provide shelters for them, where they can provide access to justice. But it's very complex when it's, for example, talking about boys or girls that are from uh, indigenous communities because it's not easy, no? Like um, to have access to all these uh, institutional support. There are some other NGOs that are in the local community that are supporting them, but of course there is still need to have uh, like integral programs where they can provide shelters, where they can provide opportunities for them to continue studying, to have access to healthcare, to have legal and psychological accompaniment. So it's still a big need of that. The, the governmental programs, uh, like there are programs that exist and there are governmental institutions that should be providing it, but it's not easy and it's not so accessible you know, for everyone and for all the communities, especially because rural communities sometimes are very far away from the cities where these institutions are located. Mm-hmm. I wonder if you see this as a form of of human trafficking or, or sex trafficking. Is it is it similar? Would you say? Um, well, it's different sometimes um, because, as I said, there are different legislations in Mexico. Sometimes there, there is a in Oaxaca, for example, there is a legal um, figure that it's saying um, that it's called like how do you say this? Um, like illegal, illegal privation, like illegal, it says like it's like unlawful deprivation of liberty for the purpose of marriage. That exists, for example, in Oaxaca. Um, but it's not necessarily like that because it's like something happening, for example, between families, no? Like when the family of the girl make an agreement with the family of the boy and to, 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 for them to get married, no? Um, but that's like sometimes, like for example, in Guerrero, there is money exchange, but not not all the time. You know, there are other communities that this kind of agreement is happening, but there is not money exchange involved. And sometimes there are other kind of of early unions where it's like the agreement between the adolescents. So there is not that that kind of money exchange, like like the case of Guerrero, which is uh, different. No, like it, that's very clear that there is a. Um, agreement with the, between the parents without the consent of the girl and there is money exchange, you know, that's something specific, but that's not all the cases. Mm-hmm. Um, I read 
recently about a report of a Mexican teenager, a girl who was, I think, 14, who was jailed. Um, she ran away from her wedding into an arranged marriage. I, I'm sort of confused about why that would happen. You know, why would why would she be jailed for for that? Do you know? Did you read that report? Yeah, yeah, I saw that news. <laughs> Uh, maybe it's the same case. Oh, Angelica, maybe that it's about the girl that tried to escape, um, um, and she was put in jail. Well, there are many cases because there is a second case that also the girl escaped before getting married, and she also ended up in jail. That shouldn't happen. The law is prohibiting that. Like um, that, that's not legal. No, that's not legal to put in jail the girls or even the boys like the adolescents that are getting married, that's not legal. And big, actually because the girl is being like a victim of this, no? Like she's being forced into marriage and instead of being put in jail, she should be given all the like the support and the assistance to get out of this situation and to receive um, like legal accompaniment, psychological accompaniment, and to be protected, no? But um there are in, in Mexico there are coexisting two different systems. Like you, you have the state system where like there are the institutions, there are the laws, but also some communities uh, are recognized also to have self-determination. So they have their own authorities, they have their own kind of regulation at the local level. But um, formally in the constitution there is recognized that the communities, the indigenous communities can have their self-determination, their own authorities, but they have always, they always have to respect human rights, women's rights, and, and girls' rights, no? So these cases, for example, shouldn't be happening, and even though uh, this indigenous system are recognized, they are not allowed to do that kind of things, no? But in the reality, it's happening. I mean, I suspect that part of the problem is that you know, it's one thing to change legislation or change the law, but it's an entirely other thing to change people's minds and to change traditions. Um, how challenging have you found that work to be? You know, like, have you, have you, you know, done work or has your organization done work in terms of trying to, um, I suppose, change people's minds about how they think about women and girls and, and how they think about this practice, which has been going on for a long time now. Well, actually, and, and sorry, because uh, before you asked the question about human trafficking, and I, I, I think I didn't respond it, um, clearly, uh, there, is, there is a specific legislation in Mexico that it's like the general law to prevent, sanction, and eradicate the crimes in uh, related to, to human trafficking, no? Um, so in that law, like they, they are punishing when um, when a person is forcing another person um, to get married, no? Like it like they, they have it has a definition that when a person is forcing an um, another person to get married, even if it, it is without money or with money exchange. Um, and also if a person is being forced to get married with the objective to be, uh, how do you say that, prostitute or uh, or or to like to force it in to be like a slave, and that that's prohibited, no, and that has a specific punishment in the in that specific law, no. So that there's 
this legislation is applicable, like uh, it's like a general law for Mexico, just because I didn't respond to that question previously. And and now moving to the, so I just to say, no, that legally this is not permitted. This is um, against the law. Um, and also the civil law don't recognize these forced marriages, but it's happening now. So for the responses, um, we can say that we need comprehensive responses at many levels. As, as you said, we need to change social norms. We need to transform the communities. We need to transform the beliefs. And there is a lot of work to do with the community, with the family, with the local authorities. And But it's also need to be supported at all levels. I mean, if there are initiatives at the local level to prohibit that, to transform this, um, this, uh, like these situations and to prevent them from, hap from happening, also we need support from the state level, no? And from the national government, we need like different kind of support. And of course, the, lo the local authorities need to, to work with the communities to make sure that there is an understanding that this is prohibited in the law, but that, that but also to make sensitization that it, that this is affecting girls and affecting the community in that uh, like we need to change minds, no? We need to transform social norms. It's not enough like to have the law. We need to really make sure that the community is understanding why is this important, why is important to protect girls' rights, why is important to not continue forcing girls into marriages. And why it's important to support them to have opportunities to grow up, to have access to education, to health care, to live free from violence. And of course, we also need uh, like programs that are supporting these girls to be at school, that are supporting them with maybe scholarships, programs, um, like all kinds of support to have access to these opportunities like also programs to prevent violence in general, also work to work with men and, and with the boys to recognize this gender-based violence to, and to recognize these gender inequalities and of course to to contribute to transform this, no? But uh, this needs work at all levels. We need to have strong legislation, but also we need to have strong public policies and programs and also work at the community level with the authorities, with the community, with the family to ensure that girls are fully supported. Mm -hmm. And have, have you found that ideas around women and girls, the rights of women and girls, you know, social norms around sexism and misogyny are changing with the, with the generations, with new generations? Well, we definitely can see that there is difference. Um, we can see that now there is an advancement, no, not only in the legislation, but also in the in the like in the local context, no. Um, of course, we see more girls going to school, for example, but it's not enough. There are still girls that not go even to primary school, no. Um, we now see that it's more. There are more our, for example, there are more awareness about physical violence, no? Like women recognize that when they are um, hit or when they are being, uh, what men are being aggressive with them, that this is violence and that they should denounce that, no? But for example, psychological violence is still more difficult to recognize and to, to go and to denounce it, no? But um, also like the feminist movement and the women's movement are doing a big work to like, raise awareness about this issue of gender-based violence to make visible these situations 
and to and also say that this must stop, no, that violence should end. And also, for example, when we are talking about indigenous communities, indigenous women um, themselves or ourselves, because I'm also indigenous, are saying we must stop violence. Violence is not part of our tradition. Violence is not part of our culture. We need to transform that. No, we cannot justify violence saying because it's part of our culture or something like that because it's not. No. So I can see that this has been changing and also that the movement is stronger and that the movement is like making this visible and asking for change and asking for actions now. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering what, you know, regular people, what individuals could do, you know, if they're concerned about this issue and they want to try to support your work or to have an impact on in terms of legislative change um, and in terms of changing social norms and so on and so forth in Mexico. Yes, uh, I think like this news, for example, of these cases and when people know about this issue, they so, some people even got surprised, no? But because when you talk about Asia or Africa, it's more common to know that child marriage, child marriage is happening there, no? Mm-hmm. But sometimes people get surprised when you say in Latin America, in Mexico, it's also happening, no? So, but also they make, they make this, uh, like they reflect on that and they are more, are very supportive. Like the, the, the civil society organizations, women's organization, indigenous women's organizations, also the government has expressed that they are, they, they are, aware of it and they want to take action no um but now the issue is how to do it when it's going to happen because also this is very urgent and it's like urgent responses no but yes we can see people recognizing the issue supporting the need of response and also there are there are like people for example there are like some legislators that are supporting and that of course want to contribute so yes, like the issue is recognized, the issue has support, but now we are still in the in, in the like in the phase of waiting to see what is going to be the institutional response. And of course, there are other there are civil society organizations working at community level and also working to to raise awareness and to try to respond and to support also the the girls and adolescents. Mm-hmm. 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 I mean, I didn't, I wasn't really aware that child marriage was such a or continued to be such a big problem in Mexico until I, I saw that report. So I think that, yeah, you're right. I mean, uh, reporting on the issue and just raising awareness that it's going on is probably a step in the right direction. And then also trying to support the organizations who are doing work around this issue at the community level and the, the legislative and state level. Yes, and actually this issue is not new. It has been happening for many years. But now it's in the public agenda, no? And, and, and taking this opportunity that is now visible, now is the time to to take action, no? But it's not new. That that's that's also something to say, no? This is not a new issue. This has been happening for many years. And and, and the other thing is that also to to recognize that it's an, an issue that it's all over the country, no? Not only in rural areas, not only in indigenous communities. It's happening everywhere, and it needs a comprehensive response. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you so much for, for talking with me again today. I really appreciate it. Um, and, and thanks so much for the work that you're doing. It's very important. Oh, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity, Megan. And also finally, maybe I, I would like to say, because I know your audience is 
broader than only Mexico, and it's another part, that something also that is happening is that there is not much, there is not much funding going to this issue, no? Like, it's very difficult to have funding specifically for the issue of child marriage in Latin America and in Mexico. So maybe it's also a good opportunity to say that this needs support, no? So civil society needs support to continue working on this issue. And, like, the big funding needs to also pay attention to, to this to this side of the world, no? And, and specifically to support civil society organizations. Yeah, for sure. I think funding is always a, a big challenge for this kind of work and, I mean, in general, work for women's rights. I mean, I've been doing this work myself for a long time, and I know that it's it's always a struggle. So I'm glad that you made that point. Thank you very much, and thank you for the opportunity to talk to you and to talk to your audience. And, well, let's continue working together because there are still much to do, not to make sure that all girls, adolescents, new women have access to their rights and can fully exercise them. Yes, absolutely. Okay, thank you so much. Have a great night. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. You just heard an interview with Elvira Pablo, a lawyer from Oaxaca and regional policy and member engagement officer for Girls Not Brides in Latin America and the Caribbean. To learn more about Girls Not Brides and to support their work, please visit girlsnotbrides.org. That is all the time we have for today. I'm Megan Murphy. Thanks for tuning in to Feminist Current. You can find us online at feministcurrent.com, tweet at us at feministcurrent, or send us an email at info at feministcurrent.com. We are hosted by Libsyn, and you can subscribe to the Feminist Current podcast anywhere you like to listen. iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, TuneIn, Spotify, and beyond. You can even give us five stars and a review on iTunes. Feminist Current is produced and hosted by myself, Megan Murphy. If you enjoyed this podcast, consider making a donation to support our work. Just visit feministcurrent.com and click the donate button.